We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hello and welcome to Laying the Points, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Anthony Amico. You can find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host is Action Network writer Matt LaMarca. You can follow on Twitter at Matt LaMarca. Matt, how's it going? Going really well, Anthony. Uh, super excited to get into some of this football stuff with you. It's it's basically that time of the year now, right? You know, we've got a lot of the uh, the other sports basically in their dead period. You know, this is like the one time a year where nothing really happens in the NBA. You know, who cares about the NHL? That's my that's my personal <laughs> philosophy. Um, and for me, being a Mets fan, baseball season was over like a month ago. So. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to really start ratcheting up the football content here for the for the podcast. I love it. It's all football all the time. I mean, you know, I'm already I'm always pretty much like at least knee deep in football, but uh, you know, You're thigh deep. Don't, yeah, don't 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 deceive the listeners. <laughs> I'm pretty short, so maybe that's still not that high. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, I'm ready. You know, between this and we start in uh, helmets in a couple weeks at the high school, so. Lots, a lot of football happening. Yeah, you uh, should, I think you should coach like Jason Brown this year. Just, just drop <laughs> MFs on everybody. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny because not to like you know delay the show, but the 
the one thing that I saw on Twitter, which was just really well said, was that like that guy Chris Brown who writes like all the smart football books. He's like, yeah. I've only watched one episode so far of Last Chance U, but I'm not sure that we're going to be able to beat the head coach the day before a game smoking a cigar in the pool. The saying, jacuzzi. He does it. Yeah, the jacuzzi. <laughs> I haven't watched much film, but I'm a bit of a savant, and then losing 70 to 21. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. That is great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But before we get into t- today's show, just want to remind everyone, you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass by subscribing to the podcast homepage at rotoviz.com slash podcasts. Uh, we are going to talk NFL running backs today. We're going to talk my bookie odds with respect to uh, their odds to lead the league in rushing yards. We have a bunch of other props posted at my bookie. We're going to talk fantasy, of course, as well, because it all kind of goes hand in hand. Lots of really good stuff to discuss, and my bookie has a lot of really nice props. So, uh, you know, if you're a fan of what a lot of the smart people think, like uh, your boy, uh, Sean Corner, Sean Corner at uh, Action Network, the props are exploitable. So uh, definitely try to get a piece of some of that action on my bookie. We're going to start with the, uh, the stud tier, according to the odds. And again, remember, like these odds are, are on rushing. So, you know, you might see a couple of your between tackles grinders a little higher than you expect. You may see some of your guys who catch a lot of passes lower than you expect. But the top three makes a lot of sense. Ezekiel Elliott's the favorite, plus 225. Todd Gurley, uh, three to one. And Lev Bell, plus 375. You know, Elliott averaged 10 rushing yards per game more than any other player in 2017. Obviously, he had the suspension. But per game, he was by far the best. He is the favorite. Are you buying that as are you buying him being the favorite? Are you considering a bet here? Uh, and are you buying him as a consensus top five overall fantasy pick? So before the individual player analysis, I just want to look at basically what you need to do to lead the league in rushing. So I've gone back the last 10 years and the average league leader has been at just under 1600 yards. Um, and that was definitely deflated a bit last year by Kareem Hunt, who led the league with only 1327. Normally you need to be, you know, over 1600 yards. Um, You also need to get over 300 carries. Again, Hunt, the only guy not to hit that threshold. All the other guys have actually been uh, at 314 or higher. And the most important thing is you need to play 16 games. Um, Zeke led the league in 2016, playing only 15 games. But he still had 322 carries that year in a league where, you know, we're not really seeing as much running. That was sort of the one exception. Other than that, all of these guys played 16 games. Um, And another thing that I thought was interesting, and this may mean something, it may not. The only repeat on this list was Adrian Peterson. He did it three times. Um, Every other person on here has only done it once in the last 10 years. So... Uh, I don't know what that means, you know, if that means uh, <laughs> that we should be looking for another, you know, sort of unexpected candidate. But the big takeaway for me is that this is more based on health than anything else. Right. And I think you would agree with that. Yeah. And I think actually the AP stat kind of speaks to that because he's kind of a freak in terms of his durability. And I don't think a lot of these guys play 16 games, you know, 32 games in a row or 16 games straight and like, you know, two out of three seasons. Like, it doesn't really happen that often, I feel like. Yeah, very tough to do, unless you're Frank Gore. 
<laughs> but then your job is just to troll everyone. Right. You just grind out that 3.6 yards per carry every year. Uh, I'm underselling Frank Gore's time with the Niners, but that's what he's done the last few years. So uh, anyway, back to Zeke. Yeah, I think Zeke is definitely the favorite for this prop, deserves to be the favorite. He's unique to these top guys in that he does basically all of his damage on the ground. You know, he's not a real pass catcher, um, and and he's going to get a lot of carries as a result. Um, he has averaged over 22.5 carries per game through his first two seasons and almost 105 yards per game. Uh, I definitely think that if we sim the season like 10,000 times, Zeke is the guy who wins it more than anybody else. Does he win it enough that he's a good bet at plus 225? That I'm not sure about because obviously we have to take the injury factors into account. Um, But Zeke has been pretty durable for the most part. I do think that there could be some value with him at 225. Um, As far as his fantasy stock, it really depends on the format for me. If it's a half PPR draft, I have no problem with him going in the top three. I even really have no problem with him going number one. Um, He really is that good on the ground. And I think that the Cowboys are going to just pound the hell out of the ball this season. Uh, for full PPR, I like Gurley, Lev, and even DJ ahead of him. But I still think he should go on the backside of the top five. One X factor for him is Sean Lake. Sean Lee's health has been so huge for the Cowboys defense. Um, they allow so many fewer points per game, yards per game. Like when he is healthy, I think that Zeke is like a weekly stud just because he's going to get the work. If he's out, I think that would be a good time, like in DFS circles, to pump the brakes on Zeke because it's going to be much harder for them to keep pace with just running the football. So that's sort of one thing I'm going to keep my eye on as the season goes along. But if Lee stays healthy and Zeke stays healthy, I think he's the favorite to, to win this problem. I like it. And, you know, just to talk a little bit about the probabilities there, I mean, plus 225 basically gives them a 30% implied probability to win the bet. Uh, if you just look at some of the data with respect to injuries, you know, Football Outsiders has done a lot of really good stuff. Zach Binney posted something a couple of years ago on injury risk by position and pretty much showed that 40% of running backs are going to miss at least one week. So if you think that you have to play 16 games to win the prop, um, you know, four out of every 10 times, pretty much, he's, he's going to miss a game. So that means that three out of the available six times, basically half, you know, you know, half the time, if he plays all 16 games, he's going to win. That doesn't seem terribly unreasonable. Yeah, I do think, too, that Zeke is the rare guy here who could play 15 games and win this prop like he did yeah. two years ago. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, a lot of and a lot of people have said that, you know, they're going to run the ball. Like, I mean, my mentions have been crazy in terms of like people think he's going to carry the ball like 400 times and stuff like that. I don't know if I go that hard. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. But uh, definitely going to carry the ball a lot. I mean, what do you think just just to talk fantasy for a second? Like, what do you think about him catching the ball a little bit more this year? Because I don't think that them losing like Des and Witten is a big deal because I don't think those guys have been very good. Right. And they, they, you know, they brought in Hearns, they drafted Gallup. I kind of feel like that's, that's at least equal. But, uh, I don't know. Like, do you think that he gets, can he get to like 50 catches, you think? I don't know. 50 seems high. I mean, I think his previous career high is like 29. Uh, you can, you can fact check me there, but. I think if he got over 30, that would be a nice start for him. Anywhere in the 30 to 40 range. If he does that, then I have no problem with him being number one pick in a half PPR league. 
Yeah, uh, career highs, 32 receptions. He did that as a rookie. Um, yeah, I have him for like a small bump up in my projections, like 37, but still not, still not good enough to like get to the Lev Gurley, uh, you know, DJ range for me, for from fantasy perspective. Right. Uh, so speaking of Gurley, obvious fantasy MVP in 2017. He went absolutely ham in the fantasy playoffs. Just got paid, $45 million guaranteed. Is he your 101 this year? It's interesting. And he would have led the league in rushing last year, but sat out week uh, 17. He ended up losing the rushing title by like 20 yards or so. So I think that if he suited up and played that week, it would have been his. Um, as far as the fantasy stock, I do think I have him as my 101 right now. I had Lev for you know, basically the entire offseason up until this point. But given the way his contract situation played out, I do think that I will lean on the safety of Gurley. Um, Really good in the run and pass game. I think that the Rams are going to be good once again this year. Don't think that that's uh, that bold of a statement. So I like his uh, touchdown upside. I think that he's just a really safe, you know, guy to pencil in as a top five running back this year. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you honestly, if you know the answer already, just act like you don't. Okay. I probably how many, won't. How, how many carries do you think Todd Gurley had last year? Uh, two. He played 15 games. I'm going to say 250. 279. But okay. my point is that even if you extrapolate that to, to 16 games, it's like 298, I think. Like, I don't think he gets enough rushing volume to get this prop. And I know, like, he would have won it last year. In a um, very down year. Yeah. Right. Very down year. I don't think he carries the ball enough to, to win this prop. I mean, maybe he gets a little bit more because the Rams will be a little bit better, we think. Um, but I don't know. I, and, you know, fantasy-wise, 64 catches last year, really good. I think that he's going to definitely be an active receiver. But he did have a bunch of long touchdowns on, like, screen passes and stuff. I don't know if that's really, you know, uh, predictable going forward. So, I mean, I don't think – I don't. my point, I guess, really is just to say I don't think you can really make a big distinction between, like, Gurley, Bell, DJ. Like, I think it really ultimately is going to come down to, like, kind of what you like more. Like, for me, you know me, I'm taking Antonio Brown over all these guys because I'm, I'm the receiver guy and I, I live for AB. He gives me life. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that girl. I think that, like, people just assume that Gurley is, like, a huge – like bell cow, but I do think that he like significantly sees less rushing volume than like these other stud guys. It's, it's interesting. And yeah, I mean, to answer your question earlier is I have had the number one pick, like in a obscene amount of my drafts that I've done so far. I'm not sure why it's worked out that way. Um, and I've sort of split it up, you know, like, Mm. um, I haven't taken Zeke at one yet, but I've taken a lot of girly bell and, and sprinkled in some David Johnson as well. Um, when we get to redraft season, I'm going to have to take a stand on one of those guys if I do end up drafting out there. But uh, I think Gurley would be the guy just because I think his range of outcomes, you know, like I think his floor is the safest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that in the time being, you really want to sort of diversify yourself. And as far as the yardage prop, for me, it's like I'm going after Zeke and then I'm going with the long shot bombs. You know, like I'm not... I don't think that Gurley at plus 300 provides nearly as much value as Zeke at plus 225. I definitely agree with all that. Uh, now, you mentioned that Lev was kind of like your your guy to start with. 
I mean, do you think that he's going to sit out at all this year because of the contract? Uh, are you comfortable drafting him inside like the top three? Uh, you know, what are kind of like, give me like your summary thoughts on, on Lev. So yeah, I have no problem drafting him in the top three still. I ultimately think that he's going to be there for week one, but I do think that we could see him get off to another slow start. You know, he had a rough, slow start last year. Um, 14.2 DraftKings points per game through weeks one through three, and then 26.3 DK points per game over the rest of the season. So I kind of think that last year is a nice, um, you know, kind of predictor of what could happen this year because I don't think he's going to show up for camp. I think he's going to, you know, get a late start, and uh, I think that that might affect his early season production. That's part of the reason why Gurley has probably moved ahead of him in my eyes. What's really interesting to me is that, like, obviously we don't really know what Pittsburgh is planning to do, but I do feel like they're kind of set up here, especially now that Gurley got that big contract. I think they're really set up here now where if they lost Bell after this season, they wouldn't take, like, a ton of media scrutiny for it. Like, I think if they lost him this year, like, if they just let him walk, I think they would have gotten killed. But now that, like, the money is there, it's, like, really easy for them to say, like, we just can't pay him. Um, so like with that in mind, I feel like they might just like run them into the ground like that. It's not like maybe the most predictable, like it's maybe not like the median outcome, but I definitely think that like, there's a situation where he touches the ball like 400 times this year. In totality. I, and, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that on the girly thing. I think if anything, it makes them look cheap now, you know, like we've, oh, maybe, yeah. we've seen an RB get. You won't you pony know, up 15 a year with the big guaranteed money. And I think most people would say that Le'Veon is the best running back in the league. So, you know, I think now it makes it look like, well, if you want to keep him, this is what you have to pay. And, you know, I think most people would, would say that that's a reasonable number for the best running back in the game. You know, we can debate whether or not it's a good long-term strategy to give a running back that kind of money. But I think, you know, for the general sports fans perspective they're gonna look at it and say that it, it is yeah that's a really good point uh bell bell is like a guy that for me i'm just having so much difficulty pricing in like he's a guy he's a guy i have to make a real decision on in one of my dynasty leagues and uh like it's weird because he's he is still like kind of young he's like 26 27 um so he probably still has like two or three good years left we hope but there's also like the scenario where like they just grind the crap out of him this year and like he gets hurt or, uh, you know, he ends up touching the ball enough where like his future years aren't as productive. Like it's, I don't know, it's just kind of like a really weird situation with him because he did have a slow start last year. Like you said, it's not like he's been like, uh, it's not like he's been like completely untouchable, you know? I, I don't want to beat this bell thing into the ground, but like, he already gets like 95% of the Steeler running back touches. Right, right. Do you think that they're just going to like become like a run the ball first like offense? Like that's the only thing that, that is holding me back from getting on board with this massive touch season because they still have Antonio Brown. They still have Juju Smith-Schuster. They still have Ben Roethlisberger. Like I don't know if they're all of a sudden going to say, you know what, F this guy. Let's just run him into the ground. Well, he's still like, he's still a really, really active receiver. That's, I mean, that's still where a lot of those touches are probably going to come from. Um, like if he gets, if he gets to like 320 carries, which is not like a completely unreasonable number, uh, 
I mean, I, could, I definitely think he can get 80 catches. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 320 seems high, but I see, I, I do see some logic to that. I mean, yeah, just, just that it's Tomlinson, possible. Tomlinson you know? had a 100-catch season, so. Beast. Uh, all right, let's get into Tier 2. This is obviously things we get progressively more interesting here. We have Leonard Fournette plus 850, Dalvin Cook plus 1,000, David Johnson, Jordan Howard, and Kareem Hunt are all plus 1150. And uh, Saquon Barkley is plus 1,300. So we have three sophomore running backs in this tier, Fournette, Cook, and Hunt, who won it last year but is the third in terms of the odds here. Who do you like most for the prop and who do you like most for fantasy out of those three? So just looking through what they did as, a, as rookies, Cook averaged 18.5 carries per game, but he only played four games. Uh, Fournette was at 20.6 carries per game in 13 games, and Hunt played all 16 but only averaged 17 carries per game. Uh, even though he led the league in rushing last year, I think Hunt is an easy cross-off for me, uh, especially if Spencer Ware is back. Um, you know, I don't think that he's going to be non-existent. You know, Sharkandrick West had touches for them down the stretch. So for me, Hunt is someone to avoid. He uh, really benefited from a few big games early in the season, but sort of cooled off as the year went on. Um, that leaves Fournette and Cook for me. Uh, I, I like Cook a lot at his current ADP. I think that he has, you know, sort of Lev Bell diet upside. Like, he's going to be um, a, a factor. But Fournette, I think, has the bigger upside for this prop. If the Jags can be good again, which is a question mark, um, but if the Jags, you know, win double-digit games again, I think Fournette's going to be right around that 20-carry-a-game mark, and that's, you know, big for this prop. If he can play 16 games and average 20 a game, He's definitely live to to win the rushing title. Yeah, now I, I I'm going to preface all this by saying that Cook is actually the guy I project to lead the league in rushing yards. Ooh, um, okay. Matt, just just strictly whatever math I have done in doing my projections, I have Cook leading the league. I mean, I think a, a combination of factors kind of go into that. Uh, not least of which is the quarterback upgrade and the fact that I don't really think teams are going to be able to gear up to stop the run. Um, I think they're really going to have their hands full in the passing game. And uh, obviously the Vikings will be good, or we think so at least. So that will lead to you know more carries and more opportunities. But I, I'm really starting to buy Fournette. Like I don't – I know that, that Cook probably is going to see uh, you know less, bo- less stack boxes. I think he's probably ultimately going to see more receptions. But I'm, I'm really loving everything I'm hearing about Fournette, like the slim down thing. I know we hear every year about guys like losing weight. <laughs> yep, every but year. Like, but when you're 240 and you get down to like the mid-220s, like to me that is kind of significant just because I always felt like Fournette was – maybe this is unjustified, but I always kind of felt like the word on him was he was like a little lazy, you know, all this stuff. But if he's like working really hard on his body, I mean I think it's feasible that he – can stay healthy maybe um certainly the like the the lower weight like maybe he's a little more active in the passing game like maybe we're discounting his receptions a little bit but like ultimately what you said about Fournette is that is the biggest thing like if the Jaguars are good they're just going to run the crap out of him and that's a pretty big factor uh you know I will say that he has like he has the highest injury risk of uh, first round picks according to uh, injurypredictor.com but a lot of that stuff is obviously going to be based on like, you know, previous workloads, expected current workload, um, you know, previous injury history. But if he's in a lot better shape, a lot of those factors may not be as extreme. 
So I, I, I certainly, I really like cook, but I also think I really like Fournette. Like I'm starting to, I'm starting to warm up to like drafting him at all, which for me was like <laughs> a thing, like I wouldn't even do. Um, so I do, I do like those guys. And uh, yeah, like Hunt is, is kind of weird because Spencer Ware is back and I don't think that that's like irrelevant. Like I know, I know Hunt just led the league in rushing. So like, I'm not saying that like Ware's going to take like 40% of the carries, but he did have 1300 yards the last time he was healthy. Like he's not a scrub. He's not nobody. He's done it. And he's done it in this offense, like with his head coach. And, you know, it's not, it's not like he's like completely new to the scene. So if he's healthy, I do think he's going to take a little bit. I definitely think he's going to take a little bit in the receiving game because he's been a productive receiver as well. So I, I kind of think those things hurt, hurt Hunt a little bit. And, you know, when you're at the top, I think those small, like those margins get a lot thinner. And those little differences, I think, start to add up. Yeah, I would be shocked if he had the same workload this year. Shocked. Yep. Uh, now, Jordan Howard, I, I was really surprised to see Jordan Howard this high. People love um, Jordan Howard. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I mean, do you get it? Like, are you buying Jordan Howard? Um, I mean, I get his his appeal for this prop, but in general, no. Uh, I've gotten a little bit of exposure to him in the third round. Like, if I'm picking early, um, I can I can take him in the third round as my third running back. But uh, you know, in general, I just don't see how he gets a huge workload given the presence of Tariq Cohen, who was like really really good. Mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen is a baller. Um, and even if Howard dominates first and second down, Cohen should should easily play over him in third down, and that lowers his ceiling overall. Uh, I'm also definitely not buying the Mitch Trubisky and just the Chicago offense hype in general. You know, like, I, there are a lot of really smart people out there who are, like, expecting big things from Chicago this year, you know, with, with Trubisky and Allen Robinson and the the rookie they just drafted out of Memphis, and I just don't see it. I don't know why they're so excited. Um, so given all of that, I find it hard to think that he's going to improve on nine touchdowns last season. I mean, he had nine touchdowns, and what did the Bears score? They're probably less than 30. So <laughs> I think that him getting that high of a share of the touchdowns again is probably unlikely. Um, so, yeah, all that basically means I'm down on Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean – just to touch on the like the Bears success thing, like I think we we've become really obsessed. I mean, obviously this happens every year. Like whatever happened the year before, we're trying to find someone that matches the same thing. Like everyone's really obsessed with like finding like this year's Rams when the most likely outcome is that there is no this year's Rams. Like because what the Rams did last year was really really rare. Um, and I definitely think that the parallels are there from a Fisher, John Fox perspective, but the bears just don't have enough, have the same level of talent on their roster that the Rams had last year. I mean, the Rams had all pro guys on defense. They got, uh, you know, Wade Phillips, who's an amazing defensive coordinator. Like that was a team that was going to be really, really good regardless of how many points they scored because they played much better defense. Um, and then you factor in the fact that they do have a star player in Todd Gurley, you know, they added a couple weapons, uh, in the passing game, like I don't think that that is is repeatable. And yeah, like the Bears signed Allen Robinson. I don't think we really know that Allen Robinson is that good. And we have no idea what Mitch Trubisky is about. We have no idea what like a lot of these guys are. And like, I think just because like Matt Nagy is coming from a good team, 
we assume that the Bears will also be good. Now, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I like the hire. I like Nagy. I like that they brought Helfrick in from Oregon. Like, I definitely think that they're going to try to go about things the right way. But to assume that they're going to make the Rams, the jump that the Rams made, which was from literally like worst to first in terms of points scored, like it's just not, it's, it's not something that you can really expect to happen. And I don't really think that a guy like, like if they are going to make that jump, I don't think a guy like Howard gets them there because he's not the guy that you can use in all facets of the game like you can with someone like Tariq Cohen, who, you know, was a collegiate workhorse. Like I know he's a little undersized, but like the idea of him getting like 10 carries and five receptions a game is really, really feasible to me. And really any work that he gets kills Howard. So I just don't really, I don't really buy the Howard thing at all. Um, now, David Johnson and Saquon Barkley, they're a lot lower here than they are in fantasy because I think we expect them to catch a lot of passes. Uh, where do they slot in for you in terms of the fantasy ranks? And are you willing to bet either of them here on this problem? So I'm starting to get a little bit scared of David Johnson. Like, he's so tantalizing because of his talent. Like, he he might be the most talented running back in the NFL. But we know almost nothing about the situation. You know, the cards, who knows what their offense is going to look like without Bruce Arians. They might be starting a rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen. And they have the potential to be one of the worst teams in the league. Their Vegas over and under right now is just five and a half wins. So that for sure knocks him out of the rushing leader prop, in my opinion. Like, I just don't think he's going to get enough carries per game for a team that figures to be behind a lot. Uh, I still like him because of his receiving ability, and I think that he should get a bunch of catches. But overall, like, he's he's a clear three for me behind Bell and Gurley. Oh, very interesting. So, like, do you think, though, that, like, if they're losing – and he doesn't get those touches as a runner, do you think that he gets a bunch of touches as a receiver? Because those would obviously be more valuable. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, how much can they theoretically throw to the running back? You know, like, I'm sure the defense will allow them to check down to DJ, but, you know, I don't think they're going to, like, intentionally throw it to him to say, oh, we got to get DJ 20 touches a game. You know, he's only got 12 carries, so let's make sure we throw him eight swing passes in the second half. Like, I just don't think that's gonna how gonna be how it works. It's interesting, right? Like, I mean, he could definitely have a huge receiving season, and and I like I said, I still have him at three. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm burying the guy in my rankings, but right. like Bell and Gurley just play for so much better teams. They have much more touchdown upside, and their receiving upside I think is only slightly lower. So, um, given that I think that they're, they're going to be in much better rushing and touchdown situations, like it's really not even that close for me. That's fair. I think the the big thing for me is that that gives me hope here on DJ is that I still like that uh, their offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy, like he does have a history of throwing the ball to running back. I mean, those couple of those big Danny Woodhead seasons in San Diego uh, came under him. And I just don't really think they have anybody else. I mean, I, I know they drafted Christian Kirk, who I do think is, is decent, but they uh, Larry Fitz, baby. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying it's a guy, they got one guy, you know, like I don't know. I don't know, like where else the, tar- the targets can really go. I mean, Ricky Seals Jones. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I and listen, JJ like, Nelson. Bad teams, bad teams find JJ ways. Nelson? Bad teams find ways to be bad anyway. So it's not like if, if they're not very good, like it's not like they're gonna do like all these really reasonable things, like get David Johnson the football. 
Um, I'm just like really attracted by like the really above average a dot for like a receipt for a running back. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see if that part maintains under McCoy versus Arians. Uh, but I, I do think you make uh, some pretty good arguments, obviously, in the anti-DJ camp. I mean, yeah, the guy, the guy is clearly a stud, and he should have some long touchdowns, which should help him. Um, it's going to be an interesting situation for sure. Like, would it shock me if he's the number one fantasy running back? No, it wouldn't. Let's talk Saquon, Matt. I, I, I mean, you know I hated the pick, but I'm really starting to buy him as like a fantasy play. I don't think he's going to lead the league in rushing. I mean, they have Jonathan Stewart. They have a, a bad team. Um, <laughs> those things are probably a problem. But like fantasy wise, like I would, I would take him over Elliott in fantasy. Where are you on Saquon? Because I, I do think that like 60 catches is like 50, 60 catches is going to happen. Yeah, I'm not there with taking him over Elliott, but he is the fifth guy for me after the four at the top. Um, I have him over Kamara for sure. I think that get all the leagues where I haven't drafted one, I've been in like the six, seven, eight position. And when I haven't been able to get Antonio Brown there, it's been Saquon for me. So I think that in terms of exposure, he's probably one of my highest owned guys right now, at least among the first round picks. It really, his upside is going to come down to the Giants offense. You know, like if you think Eli's done, um, it's going to be tough for him to put together a monster rookie season. But if they can stay confident or competent and the offensive line shows some improvement, they did bring in three new guys. I think that he could have a, a potential to be the number one player in fantasy. Like he's that good. And I think he's going to get that kind of workload as a rookie. Um, I'm not really leaning on him in this prop. I don't think that the odds are long enough. I'd rather go with some of the, you know, the longer shots, but uh, as far as fantasy goes, I think that he is really appealing in the middle of the first round. Yeah, and just I'm gonna I'm gonna be a fan for a second. Like, it isn't unreasonable that the Giants all of a sudden like score points this year because they have really good players. Like Odell is obviously one of the best receivers in football. Evan Ingram was awesome as a rookie. Probably probably one of like the three best rookie seasons ever for a tight end. Um, I think. Shepard is way overrated, but like he's if he's your fourth guy, you know, if you think Saquon's like the third and he's the fourth, like that's reasonable. Um like just keep Eli up for like three seconds. You know, like let him get the ball out. Hopefully this team doesn't try to like run the rock a ton. Like it doesn't seem like a Shermer thing, but you never really know. Uh I just I think it's possible. You know, I really think that like the blocking has been a huge issue. You got Solder in there. Like sometimes one guy makes a huge difference on the O line because it lets you shift a bunch of guys around. Like all yep. of a sudden, Flowers on the right side, you know, a lot better there, especially like as a run blocker. Like maybe that changes everything for them. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to be optimistic, Matt. I'm trying really hard. I'm with you. I'm optimistic as well. I mean, like you said, in terms of skill guys, the Giants are probably in the top three, definitely in the top five. So again, it comes down to Eli and the line. Uh, you know that I am like as big of an Eli detractor as there is, but the guy can still get the job done at least at a league average level if you give him time. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Giants are a, a good bounce back candidate this year. I love it. Um, now, you know, if you want to bet some of these props with us, which I definitely recommend you do, you absolutely need to be doing it at my bookie. I mean, my bookie has an awesome arrangement of props. We've seen a bunch of different props discussed on this show. 
that you can't get at other sports books. So, you know, get your money in on my bookie, join us, sign up on mybookie.ag. Uh, you know, aside from obviously the awesome player props, they are great in terms of customer service and payout speed. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me and my listeners. So I'm telling you to make your way over to my bookie. When you win, they pay and they pay fast without any hassles. You're absolutely wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after kickoff, which is going to be a lot of fun, I think, during the football season. Join now and my bookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Just use promo code LANGTHEPOINTS to activate this special offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Mybookie.ag. Let's get into tier three, where we have LaShawn McCoy and Sonny Michelle at plus 2,300. Jay Ajayi plus 2,750. Devontae Freeman plus 3,300. And then we have four backs at uh, plus 4,200. Alex Collins, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, and Melvin Gordon. Now, Alvin Kamara is way, 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 way down here relative to his fantasy production. Uh, we know he had the big receiving season last year for the Saints. Is there any way, though, that with the Ingram suspension for games, uh, maybe he competes for the rushing title? And uh, where are you drafting him fantasy-wise? Yeah, so I don't know if the Ingram suspension really benefits him that much. I don't think um, that they want to make him like a 20-touch-a-game type of guy. I think they want to keep him explosive, kind of like what we used to see for Lamar Miller back in Miami when he was good. Um, that's a little dig at you, by the way, Anthony. We'll get to Lamar. Um, I think he's he's just a playmaker. You know, like he is going to make, make things happen. Um, I'm personally leaning away from him a bit this year at his current ADP. He's going, you know, typically higher than Saquon. I've even seen him go above Antonio Brown in some drafts. Uh, I think he's going to have a very similar year to last year, but I don't know if he's going to be able to score as many touchdowns. So uh, I still think he deserves to be a first-round pick, but more in the 10 to 12-type range for me. So in other words, I'm really not going to end up with any Alvin Kamara this year. <laughs> yeah, I haven't ended up with him really either. Um, you know, We're pretty much in agreement on this. Like, I think that if you if you delve into the numbers, you'll see that like Drew Brees was really shorted a bunch of touchdowns last year, even on like the reduced passing attempts. Um, just in terms of like you know what his efficiency predicts, what his you know history predicts, you know historical touchdown rate, all that stuff. Like he was really shorted a bunch of touchdowns last year. Uh, so just from like a passing rushing touchdown perspective, he's owed you know some touchdowns back, and that probably means that they won't run for as many touchdowns. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really with you on the Ingram suspension, not really mattering a ton. Like maybe he gets a couple more touches a game, but I think ultimately we're going to see like Terrence West get the ball, you know, maybe Shane Vereen, like a couple of the guys that they've like brought in as free agents. Like those guys are going to replace, I think a bunch of that Ingram work. So yeah, I'm not, I haven't really drafted him a bunch. Like obviously the receiving is super valuable still, but like I've seen people take him like top four, top five. And, uh, you know, if there's like one guy like that in every league you're in, it, it's really hard to get him. Yep. Agreed. Uh, yep. Now the, the shady situation is, uh, oh, I mean, it's a little shady, but it's, a, it, you know, it's, <laughs> it, you got to stay away. I think right now from a betting perspective, uh, because the pending legal stuff, I mean, we're not really sure exactly what's going to happen with him. Like if the league's going to suspend them, if they're going to put him on the commissioner's exempt list, if he's not gonna be able to play, like we aren't really sure. Uh, but all this like cloudiness around him, 
could potentially create a fantasy value at some point. I mean, I haven't really seen his ADP drop a bunch yet, but if this kind of like hangs around, maybe in August it goes down. Is there like a draft range that you would feel comfortable taking him? Yeah, that, it's a really tough question. And I'll tell you why his ADP hasn't dropped. And that's because in every MFL 10, every draft, there's usually a timeout, right? Mm-hmm. And the guy who times out gets McCoy in the third round, in the fourth round, whatever. Um, so I really haven't had to face that situation yet of like, where would I feel comfortable taking him? Uh, I'm hoping we have some more clarity in this situation by the time that redraft season rolls around. Right now, I'm guessing maybe round six, round five. Uh, You know, every running back that you take in that round is going to have their questions to begin with. But if McCoy does get on the field, he's proven that he's one of the best in the business. I mean, even for Buffalo last year, which was who was really poor on offense, they they pounded McCoy. Now, maybe their uh, running game in general takes a step back without Tyrod Taylor and, you know, in all likelihood with Josh Allen under center. But uh, I still think that, you know, maybe in like the sixth round, he would be a value. Yeah, that's definitely a fair take. I'm probably going to wait even longer just because I'm like, I'm not really risk averse. Like I'm I'm pretty OK with with taking on risk, but I don't really like when the floor is zero, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to take a guy where like I could just get no points at all, no good weeks, no usable production. Like in best ball, it's really, really difficult to do that with pretty much any pick. If the guy doesn't like miss the whole season, like I would probably rather have like Jamal Williams than him right now. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's a good question. Like, I think the question you have to ask yourself is what his upside is, right? right. Like if you think that, he can do exactly what he did last year, then I think that the a sixth-round pick would be fine risk. But if you think that there's going to be regression with the Buffalo running game, then you probably do want to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely the right way to look at it. And we'll see. I mean, I, I, I find it really hard to believe that like a month will go by and we won't find anything else about this. So hopefully by the time a lot of you guys do your drafts, we'll know, you know more about, about Shady. Uh, Jay Jai, Alex Collins... Not not like necessarily similar players, but they're going in a similar range, and I think their workload is something that people have kind of debated all off season. Do you think that they'll find themselves in like workhorse type roles in 2018? Give me all the Jay Ajayi, <laughs> all of it. I'm all in on him. Um, at this point, if I'm leaving a draft and I haven't secured Ajayi on my team, I consider that draft a failure. Like, at the bare minimum, I think he should be the goal line back for the Eagles this season. Now, that role didn't have a ton of value last year because they only ran for nine touchdowns, but they threw for 38. So I think that that split will will narrow a little bit. Even if they're going to remain a passing team, like, I think that maybe it's more like, I don't know, 12 to 15 rushing touchdowns. And if Ajayi can get a good handful of those, I think that that makes him an awesome value. Um, the upside for him is that he does get to like a, you know, 15 to 20 touch per game role. And he was amazing with Philly last season, 5.8 yards per carry on 70 attempts. So I think he has the ceiling to be, you know, a early second round value. And if you can get him in like the, the fourth, fifth round, I think it's a really, really strong pick. Uh, I really love Ajayi this season. I'm more lukewarm on Collins. 
he could potentially become the workhorse for the Ravens, but to me that role is just not nearly as valuable as the workhorse role for the Eagles. You know, he did average uh, 16.7 carries per game for the last nine games for the Ravens in 2017, but he had just 4.05 yards per carry. He needs the touchdowns to score. Like, I don't think the rushing work is going to be nearly as valuable for Collins as it would be for Ajayi. And I'm not, I'm just not sure that the Ravens offense is going to be, you know, even league average this season. You know, it'd be I'd be more intrigued if I knew for a fact that Lamar Jackson was going to start. Yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, I, I think that kind of what you brought up with, with McCoy is like a really good thing to think about with all these running backs in the mid rounds is like, what's the upside? And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, like there is the outcome with Ajay that they just like kind of abandon that secondary running back role in favor of Ajay because he's A, talented and, and B, in a contract year. So they're, you know, and they traded for him last year. They traded draft capital for him. So like they're in a kind of like a, a good spot to use him. You know, it's not like he's never been productive. So it's not like they're giving the ball to somebody unproven. So there is like that ceiling where he gets, you know, 300 touches total on like a good football team. And I think that's something that we would all want. So I, I really like the argument there. Uh, and, you know, I'm not really into Collins. Like I, I'm not really into like the one and two down Running backs in general, you know, they got Kenneth Dixon back. I think between him and Buck Allen, a lot of that receiving work is going to be gone. And uh, I, I just don't like to bank. Like, I don't like the guys who, like, they get me six or they get me 16. I like the guys that are, like, pretty solid because of the receiving and then obviously still have, like, the upside. Uh, the next question I think out of this group for me is Derek Henry or Sonny Michelle because – just a little like confluence in terms of the like who's going to get the touches uh, the Patriots because Patriots and then Henry has to compete with Deion Lewis. So what do you kind of think about those guys? Uh, I think these Sony Michelle odds are the most ridiculous odds on the board right now <laughs> at plus twenty three hundred. Like he has never taken a carry in the NFL, and when is the last time that the Patriots have leaned on a running back for you know like big yardage work? Like Corey Dillon, I, I can't even think of it. Like we've seen the the Patriots back have value, but it's because they're pounding in you know double digit touchdowns every year. We rarely do we see the Patriots running back who's going to average like a hundred yards a game. So I think that that the hype on Michelle is just ridiculous. If you think that maybe he can get the James White role and be like a plus version of him, I guess that's the case. But certainly you're not. Uh, gonna bet him to win the yardage prop. Um, Henry to me as well is is a really tough sell, just given that Dion Lewis is there. Like I could see ha- Henry being a, a goal line hammer, and if the Titans' offense is better, you know now that they've gotten rid of Mike Malarkey, that could be a fantasy uh, you know role that you want to target. But again, as far as like leading the league in rushing, I just don't think the work will be there for him. Definitely agree on Henry, and you know Henry is like my boy. Like I, I think he's really good. But it, you just can't beat Deion Lewis. Like you can't, you can't beat him. Like he's he's gonna have the receiving work. He's good enough to to carry the ball. So like it's not even like he has like big carry upside. Like this is not going to be a like Garrett Blount James White situation. This is gonna be like a one A one B. Jeremy Hill, ru- Gio Bernard. Yeah, like a lot of the rushing is split, and then a bunch of the catches go to Deion Lewis. Like I think that's a perfect comparison. So. 
definitely out on Henry. I haven't drafted him at all this year, except for like a couple of drafts early, like before Deion Lewis signed there. Um, you know, there is some upside with, with Michelle. I don't think that the upside, like you said, is, is going to come on the rushing prop. Like I know, I know in 2016, they gave the ball a ton to Blunt. He had like 300 carries, but it just doesn't seem as realistic when they also have Burkhead on the roster and they have made like other moves at running back. Like, you know, they signed Hill They're They're kind of like churning through some other backs. So I, I don't, I don't really know if that's like super realistic that, that you see that workload again. Um, I do like Michelle for fantasy just because I think that there is like the, Hey, first arm running back, good football team, supposedly can catch the ball. Um, so if he kind of becomes like Dion Lewis plus that's valuable, but uh, from the betting perspective, I'm not really in at all. Now, the the thing that's weird to me on, on this list and just like in general is like Melvin Gordon is like the Kawhi, not Kawhi Leonard. That's a bad example. Like, Don't insult Kawhi. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like quiet, not star, but pretty good guy. Like no one talks about him. I haven't heard anybody say anything good or bad about Melvin Gordon like all summer. <laughs> but he's a first round pick in like every league I'm in, maybe like top of round two. And he's like really, really, I think probably a little discounted in this prop because he does get the ball a lot. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you make of Melvin Gordon? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I saw these odds and, and my first thought was, wow, Melvin Gordon 4,200 is a smash. But I dug into the numbers and I cooled off pretty quickly. Like, he is a true bell cow, but it's it's more has to do with his receiving ability and his fantasy production comes a lot just from the, the fact that he scores a ton of touchdowns. He still has yet to average more than 3.9 yards per carry, which is which is just awful for a guy who gets the ball as much as he does. And he actually had less carries per game last season, despite the fact that the Chargers went from 5-11 and 11 to 8-8. Eight and eight. So I think those are all red flags. Um, I wouldn't be upset if you told me you were going to bet this. Like, I do think that 4200 is probably a fair price, but uh, I, I don't think it's a smash like I did when I first saw the odds. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a really good, this is really good problem, this is really good odds, but also like Melvin Gordon like kind of sucks at running the ball. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, two percent implied probability is like is not terrible. Like, I there's still like a chance I bet this. But you are kind of hoping for, like, the outlier. I mean, first of all, like, the outlier health season from Gordon because I feel like he's always kind of banged up. Yep. But also that, like, he's going to see, like, this big spike in efficiency. So. Yeah, uh, 17.8 attempts per game last year. I was surprised at that number. Like, I thought it would be higher. He was at 19.5 two years ago. Um, But, yeah, like, I I, just from what I had known in my head, I thought it would have been higher. But he the real reason was – he had 58 catches and 83 targets and wow. scored 12 touchdowns. So that's really where the the fantasy viability is coming from, in my opinion. Like, I think that his work as a runner is is pretty poor, as you eloquently stated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably like he's a really good example of a guy that like I probably won't end up having really any of, but will like quietly respect because like I'm, you know I'm not taking him over Odell or Julio at the right. turn. All right, we ended up uh, running a little long today discussing the running backs, so we are going to cut it here for now. Uh, we will post another podcast, hopefully tomorrow, 
discussing the rest of the running backs for this yardage prop, and also diving into some individual player over-unders on rushing yards and touchdowns, and again talking about some fantasy viability. Uh, So, for Anthony Amico, I am Matt LaMarca. Thanks for checking it out, and make sure to keep your eyes out for part two. Welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.